Hello, and welcome to Wands and Bronze, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Shannon. And we are your co-hosts. So today, I'm talking about uh, Sin slash Nana, uh, the god of the moon, as though. Um, and we're revisiting moon phases again briefly towards the end of that. Um, I, I really feel this has been a very moon forward season for us. Yeah, I think so. Um, and we're recording this like on a full moon during a lunar eclipse. So tis the season. Also, I just love that Nana is spelled the way my Nana spells Nana. N-A-N-N-A. -N -N -A. Um, yeah. But I'm talking about wild lettuce. And there's some, like, funky fuckery that we're going to talk about and also maybe the most disgusting etymology that I'll ever describe for you. So that'll be fun. Love that. But before we get into all of that, Shannon, when did you feel the magic this week? Okay, well, Nick, you uh, are getting, you've been spoiled for this because you knew it was coming, but... I got to see Elton John do a, a short set on Saturday night. And I shit you not, it was magical. It was like a 20-minute set. There were like maybe 300 people there. It was a really small group. I was like probably about 15 feet away from the stage. It was super intimate. And I like looked up and it was like a waning moon and you could like literally just like see the moon above the tiny little stage with Elton John on it. And it was also kind of cool because it was like this really weird cross section of people who were there because it was for like the gala after party at LACMA. So it was like, yeah, there were some celebrities there, but there were also just like some older folks and like the young donors who came for the after party. But every single one of us was united in our love for Sir Elton John. And honestly, it was just fucking amazing. It was so fun. And it felt like it. I feel like concerts and shows like that sometimes have that kind of like communal energy that is really like invigorating. I also just would conjecture that Elton John probably is a wizard of some caliber. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, it was uh, it was great. So, yeah. What about you, Nick? Well, um, as everyone here knows, uh, it is the super blood full moon eclipse in Scorpio tonight. So, um, I have just not been sleeping at all. But actually, as always, the night before the full moon, I was actually able to sleep. For once in my goddamn life, it seems. You know uh, why? It's because the moon's in Taurus. And that was that was that little Taurus bone for you. Like, <laughs> yeah, truly, like much needed, honestly. Um, but also, okay, I would say, like, that really doesn't count. But I did when I was leaving voting today, it was like, we've been having this rain. So there's all these like big clouds in the air. And it was just like, literally, there was like butterflies and like the most beautiful sunset you've ever fucking seen. Mm. Sunsets. We couldn't see the sunset in LA because it's been fucking rainy and in the 50s and 60s for the last two days. I'm jealous. I mean, I, I despise the fact that it was happening at 5 p.m. But it was oh, still it was I'm still sorry. Nice. You don't like going home at like five o'clock in the afternoon and it's midnight outside? Uh-huh. No, I'm not I'm not especially into that. No. No, that's fair. Um, I love it. Well, I'm I'm excited to hear about Sin slash Nana. I I love this moony moment for us and for people that aren't on the patreon i do like that the uh the <laughs> informal name for this is crescent rolls and only hawaiian bread flavored crescent rolls forever and ever amen from from here on out from here on out um no because really though i still have so many crescent rolls in my fridge because you need to buy like four or five to like use up a whole pack of little smokies making pizza yeah. in a blanket there's a lot of little smokies in a pack. 
There's a lot of, they're little Smokies, okay? <laughs> if they were big Smokies, they'd be like, there'd be like six in their tops, but. But they're little. But they're little, like Wayne. Um, okay. You guys, right off the bat, this is a follow-up to a recent segment that we did about moon magic, or I guess the segment that was supposed to be about moon magic that kind of went off the rails. Uh, but in which I mentioned that in Mesopotamia and ancient Egypt, the moon was a man, a moon dude, if you will. So we wanted to talk about one of the moon dudes. And of course, if given the option, I'm going for Mesopotamia every single time. <laughs> um, I will go ahead and say yet again, I will reiterate that instinctively, the moon being a dude feels wrong to me. Um, but Fair. nevertheless, that is what they believed. And I'm also going to go ahead and throw in here. The only man I would personally deify as the moon is David Bowie with honorable mention to Noel Fielding. And those Which, are both very androgynous men. No, seeing that you like gave an honorable mention to Noel Fielding warmed the cockles of my heart because I adore him. All I want is to have enough money to buy one of his original artworks. Like, oh, sure. I love him so much. But, yeah, so you get the idea. The only dudes that I think would be acceptable as the moon um, would be those two dudes. And those are both very androgynous dudes, so that's not really making a good point. Uh, Y'all get the idea, though. Uh, this week, I'm actually going to go ahead and be talking about Sin, the Mesopotamian god of the moon. And I guess I should say that that Sen, if you're an Akkadian, or Nana, or Nanar, if you're Sumerian. So... It's like Nana if you're nasty. But in respect to Southern grandmas everywhere and the fact that I would be resisting the urge to say Nana instead of Nana every single time, I'm sticking with Sin for now. It's my podcast. I can do that. Sorry. That's fair. I won't tell my Nana. Of course. Of course. Really, Nana is everyone's Nana. To call her my Nana feels reductive. <laughs> um, but Sin's main claim to fame is being the god of the moon. But he was also keeping pretty busy as the god of cattle and, like, herding. And a very prominent symbol of that dual godship was the crescent moon because it looks like bullhorns. So, you know... I just, I have to say the herding and the moon combo is given real lupine vibes. Yeah, it's like, was he a werewolf? I mean, all signs point to. I I love that we're speculating whether Sin was a werewolf or not. These are um, the important questions. But I, I would like to say that the crescent moon, the bullhorn moon, um, is the most iconic phase of the moon, purely from an aesthetic standpoint. Uh, and I really yeah, wanted to I get into that. Uh, I wanted to talk about that um, because the full moon and the new moon are just circles which is nice and obviously does still count. Um, but the sun is also a circle for everyone that didn't know that. Um, so is a circle obviously the moon? No. No. A half circle even isn't obviously the moon. Because um, that could be a sunset. That could be a sunset. Um, the crescent moon though, is that girl. You know what that symbol means. Even it's if it's a moon or it's a croissant. <laughs> or it's a croissant. Uh, of course, a croissant is shaped like the moon. We we don't have to wonder which came first in in this <laughs> in this one instance only, this one time only. We actually don't have to ask ourselves which came first because the moon existed way before bread. Yeah. Although I bet the moon is a lot happier now that bread exists. And there is a bread in honor of the moon as is correct the sun doesn't have its own bread that i know of and if it does fuck off crescents like croissants are so much better Cro croissants are one of the are one of the superior breads that exist so yeah signed french people everywhere signed french people everywhere 
Um, but I mean, okay, even in an astrology chart, the moon symbol is a crescent moon because it's obviously the moon. All right, can't can't say that about a circle. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like it's, what if you if you used a circle on the astrology chart, it it's like which fucking planet is that? <laughs> which planet is that? Um, <laughs> But I would also say the crescent moon does have this very like witchy iconography. If you ask a child to draw a wizard, they're probably gonna put like stars and crescent moons and, and go ahead and put that on the wizard robe. Yeah, because it's not a wizard robe if there aren't crescent moons and stars on it. Right. Um, yeah. But something I was excited about doing all this research about the crescent moon shape basically being bullhorns for the moon god Sen, right? Um, was that my brain made one of those connections that like melted my face right off. I do remember sending you like a chain of like three word text messages because I was trying to get the whole idea out while my brain short circuited. Um, okay, astrology girlies. Where is the moon in exaltation? It's, it's Taurus, the bull. The bull with the crescent moon horns. Sin's bull. That's why. That's why. It is so dope. It is both dope and fresh. I mean, I just, it made, it made me so happy to be like, uh, that's, that's literally obviously why that is. So I would also like to point out before we kind of talk about Sin's sort of backstory and all of that, um, that the golden calf or the golden cow in the Bible you know, the part where Moses comes down and with the commandments and everyone is like worshiping a cow statue. That is like definitely a call out to sin. Which right? also is spelled sin. Right. I mean, is that a coincidence? Oh, uh? it's uh, uh, different languages. So probably not. But it's kind of cool that it came back around and we're asking that question, isn't it? Um, we're so clever. Anyway, enough bull talk. Let's get into Sin as a god. So in the Mesopotamian pantheon, Sin is a kind of celestial shepherd uh, and often is named as the chief of all the gods, which is a very important job. But like Zeus with the Titans and the truly wacky theogony of the Nords, even the chief of the gods has parents. Um, so Enlil and Ninlil were sort of these primordial storm gods uh, and the rulers of the sky. So kind of coming after these inky, ninky deities, um, which are like way, way, way before, like, you know, kind of like the coming out of the ocean, sort of like creating the world, all of that. But they, they kind of like go in these successive generations, right? So he's got these storm god parents. And we have Sin and his brothers, who are Nurgle, Ninazu, and Ninbululu, who control things like death and war and the underworld and wild things and um, rivers, which is all kind of seen as very uncivilized stuff, if that makes sense. Um, Whereas Sin is this god of like culture and domestication, like herding really is the main means of domestication at this time. I mean, in with farming, but farming is just fancy gathering, you know, it's like. <laughs> I mean, you're right, but like, <laughs> sorry, that got me. Um, but no, so, so, you know, herding really did a lot for people to settle down. Um, and it was this sort of wisdom, this kind of cultural affinity that earned him the chiefdom of the gods, because ultimately, Ur, widely regarded as the first city, that's kind of like the seat of power. So there's, you know, geographical variations and all of that. But I do personally like the moon guy in charge. So uh, I am running with that version. Okay. But think about it. Like the people who lived in the first city sort of worshiping this god of 
culture and sophistication. A man of means, if you will. And I think that it makes sense, too, just thinking about, like, Ur as the first city, even though I hate the idea of a dude as the moon. I think the idea of worshipping a moon deity for, like, early civilization makes sense because it's like the moon is like a calendar. The moon is absolutely a calendar. It's very important. Um, But so Sin also had a wife, Ningal, who seemed to serve a similar role in the cosmological order and often is uh, depicted seated on his lap, but it's like they're sort of acting in unison, like they're acting as one body, like almost like they're sharing the throne, but that's kind of a weird way to draw that. So I mean, look, we're not here to kink shame ancient deities. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you know, she's a a moon goddess, kind of, because a lot of the Mesopotamian deities, like their their cohort is just like the the god or the goddess of the same thing that they are. They, They kind of rule over it together. Um, and, you know, she was a powerful goddess in her own right, because obviously sharing a temple with the main god in the, basically the only city that exists at the time, that's kind of, like, still pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty dope. That's, like, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, okay, but what I thought was cool about their romance, though, was that Ningal was the daughter of the goddess of the reeds. So reeds are also a huge symbol for civilization because they use them as a building material. Like pretty much everything was made out of reeds uh, or sand or mud um, or clay, which is a kind of mud. Like, are we just naming building materials now? <laughs> right, but, but so she was the daughter of this reed goddess. And I would just kind of throw out there that if anyone has been out in a marsh or a swamp during a full moon, there is something very alive and mystical about a wetlands relationship with the moon. Um, Even just like a big pond, like a big overgrown pond, like the frogs and stuff come out at the full moon. Like you really, there's a lot that goes on. And of course, reeds are a water plant. So a lot, a lot of that um, was happening on the water in a, you know, kind of a manufactured wetland, because that's, that's how you would farm a reed, is you would make a, a mud pond and grow reeds in it. Um, I'm sorry if this isn't very exciting, but I also, but I do think it's kind of cute and sweet that, like, the moon is in love with, like, a goddess that comes from, like, the wetlands. I just think that this is such a, like, this is the Louisiana side of you, like, standing the swamp goddess. I, I am. I am. <laughs> um, but, okay. I'm also, I'm just going to, uh, one more point to make about the moon and the wetlands. Uh, Sin is also depicted a lot fishing on a riverside. So he just really likes to hang out in the reeds, is all I'm saying. So Sin did manage to get around to reproducing at least twice. And this is like a big part of the whole the whole thing, okay? Because his daughter was darling of the pod, Ishtar, shout out, AKA Venus, the morning star. Hey girl. Um, and what I'm gonna go ahead and do is reveal that Sin's son was Utu, the sun god, none other, the same one. I love that the moon begets the sun in this story. I do, I do like that version of things. Because I'm like, you know, the whole Egypt, the sun. We get it raw. Oh, raw, raw, ah, ah, ah. (laughs) Raw, raw, ah, ah, ah. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so it's all one beautiful celestial family. Um, they did kind of see the moon as the shepherd of the stars, which I thought was was kind of cute. And so sometimes uh, they refer to like the stars as uh, Sin's flock, which that's cute. That that is cute. Um, 
So, but it's also a very powerful family. They were the heavy hitters of the cult centers of Southern Mesopotamia, including Ur, which again, famously world tilled the city. And here's where it veers back to, is the moon a lady or not? Because it was a requirement in the temple of Sin that there would be a live-in high priestess. And the main requirement to get this job was that you also had to be born a princess. And I do think that's interesting to say the least that basically the Pope of the world's first major religion was for sure a lady and a lady of high status. So a high priestess of royal blood who had real civic and religious power. So of course the temples were full of these incredible images of powerful women worshiping the moon. And the hot speculation from the internet is that the Greeks might have been inspired by the images of the high priestesses into envisioning a female embodiment of the moon, AKA Selene, the moon goddess, right? Um, which I do like just a whole lot more as an idea, as an ethos. Uh, I don't think the moon's a dude, sorry. Um, yeah, and, I mean, it's like, come, come fight me, but I also don't think that, so. Um, and, you know, that's from Wikipedia, so maybe that's not facts facts, but it's not just me speculating that, so, you know, fight me. Um, but here's a real doozy of a fact about sin. Abraham, the Hebrew patriarch, had personal ties to the region of Ur, where, of course, they worshipped sin right? It is believed that part of his strong personal connection to this specific region lived on in his descendants, the Israelites, being obsessed with planning things around the cycles of the moon, including basically celebrating as bats the way witches do to this day in early Judaism. But this also led right on through to Christianity, which is why Easter and Lent and all of that is based around uh, when Passover yeah. is, which is based around when the fucking phase of the moon is. Um, so that's one branch of it, but it does not end there. The prophet Muhammad worshipped many deities in his lifetime, including Sin, the moon god, which is why the crescent moon of Sin is generally regarded as a symbol of Islam, because he was that into the shits. Okay. I mean, look, Father Abraham had many sons. Mm -hmm. um, and I would, I would go on to say, it just goes to show that lots of bad things can happen if the moon is allowed to be a man for once. Yeah, like Abrahamic religions. Abrahamic religions, it seems like it was a bad idea. I mean, and we are kind of getting to live in this time where it's been like, 3,000 years since that whole ball got rolling, so... Good God, can we, like, just pop the ball now? I'm done. <laughs> so, I'm done. Um, that one, you know, it's a little short this week. I have to be honest with everyone who I love and adore. Um, my ADD was absolutely kicking my ass today, and it's a late recording, and I voted today, so... Um, but I did want to talk about, which we do have a previous segment where we do talk about phases of the moon. Um, but I do love the crescent moon as kind of like, I think we should definitely be taking that symbol back as witches, as modern witches. Um, so, you know, if you really want to get down with the crescent moons, remember, the waxing moon is kind of adding energy to, to the workings that you would like to do. So the waxing crescent moon is, you can kind of see as almost planting a seed. Um, very, very similar vibes to the new moon. And then the, um, the waning crescent, which is going to be just right after the full moon. Um, or right at the end, you know, you know right before the new moon, the, is going to be kind of that last push or that last pull. So minor cleansings, um, you know, kind of um, more, like more routine house cleansings would be just fine. Yeah, like baby banishments. Baby banishments, yes. I, I always think of the magicians like minor mendings. 
exactly yeah <laughs> um, exactly that's definitely like waning crescent vibes. definitely waning crescent vibes but i will say also like and, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later on in kind of our weird hodgepodge segment but i would say like planning things around the phases of the moon has become so much more of a thing in my life um for instance, like for this trip I'm taking next year and for the trip I took this year, it was definitely around the full moon this year. And we're literally, what we're going to go ahead and be doing is buying the tickets so that we're leaving during the waxing gibbous and we get there like the day before the full moon. Ah, A++. So, yeah, I think that's going to be great. And also, I'm really like, you know, because of that kind of, that waning being, like, p- waning moon phase being this, like, purifying, this cleansing kind of energy. Again, push and pull, you know? And it's like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm going to be getting rid of a lot of emotional baggage while I'm there. Love it. I love it. Um, okay. Well, it's been a sec. But today we're getting back in touch with our sweet, sweet Asteraceae family, right? Hello, Daisy friends. So I'm talking about uh, Lactuca verosa or wild lettuce. Verosa is one I'm going to be talking about, also cereola. But it's got a few like cool common names. Bitter lettuce, poison lettuce, lettuce opium, prickly lettuce, and great lettuce. Is got one some of, range. One of these things is not like the others. Uh, poison lettuce or lettuce opium? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I was saying great. I mean, okay, because bitter lettuce is not making me want to to eat this. Okay. No. Um, you know, poison lettuce really not making me want to eat this. Um, lettuce opium. Uh, you know, kind of fifty fifty. Am I going to get high from eating this lettuce? Could happen. We'll talk about it. Quickly lettuce. Uh, Sounds like it's going to hurt my tummy. Yeah. Uh, But great lettuce. (laughs) Great lettuce was the PR name. (laughs) Uh, Lactuca's Lactuca's PR agent was like, okay, we've got some problems here. Um, So wild lettuce is native to Europe and Northwest Africa. There's also species like in North America, L. canadensis. You can use the flowering herb, the aerial parts, and the dried latex so very very often we've talked about like plants that produce latex a lot of times they're not great latex tends to be like bad for your skin and stuff but this one the latex is actually part of it that you use so we'll discuss later but i promised you some gross etymology the genus name lactuca means has a milky juice Ew. <laughs> not milky juice milky juice ew uh the species name cereola which is one of the ones that we'll talk about means endive like and verosa from lactuca verosa the main species refers to an unpleasant smell so lactuca verosa is a plant that has a milky juice and an unpleasant smell Wow. Not fun. Um, yeah, this, you would have needed to hire a PR to get this off the ground. It needed it. It needed it. So what does this look like, though? Lactuca verosa, it's an erect, hairless biennial. It can actually get up to six and a half feet tall, though, in the first year. And that first year, it's, like, super foliage. It's a lot of basil rosettes. But it's a tall boy. Like, if Lactuca Verosa was on Grinder, All Star, six uh, and a half foot tall, hairless, has milky you know, juice. Okay, has milky juice. Um, this is <laughs> this is uh, this is erotic. This is a, this is an erotic fan fiction about <laughs> a medicinal herb. You're welcome. So the second year, it produces an erect stem that branches in the upper portion. I don't know why this got so sexual. It's late. Um, so the leaves are uh, the leaves are six to eight inches long, and both the stems and the leaves have like a purple tinge. 
<laughs> and so I'm like, they're six to eight inches long. That's impressive. It's six and a half feet tall. We're very happy with their purple tinge and a an iconic like deep mid vein that's white on the underside of the leaf. So it's of a course veiny... we have of course we have to talk about the uh, the veiny eight inch leaf on the six and a half foot erect milky juicy plant um god there's so much dick innuendo here that i didn't even realize um <laughs> so the leaves though they're the leaves and the stem have kind of like a purple tinge like certain other things but when you break them you'll see milky latex and the leaves themselves they're deeply lobed they have prickly edges and the like the lobes that clasp the stem are pointed Really, if you want to imagine what they look like, think about a dandelion leaf. That's what they look like. It's really like, that's that's the general vibe. The flowers, they're small and yellow and they're on detached elongated pyramidal panicles. But most wild lettuce species and the thing that I love about them is they're well adapted to dry conditions. Climate change is a bitch. I'm very pro plants that don't need a lot of water, but these are not necessarily super easy to wild harvest because they hybridize so easily. So there's a ton of messiness here. They've actually identified nearly a hundred species of wild lettuce. And they can look very similar to sow thistles, which are not what you want. So when in doubt, leave the plant be. But People that are more seasoned at wild harvesting, this is definitely something you can find in a lot of areas, but again, be careful. And if you want to harvest it for food and you can appropriately identify it, you're going to want to harvest the leaves before May. That way they're still young. You know, it's, it's like they say with dandelion greens too. It's like if you want to eat them raw and in salads and stuff, earlier in the season tends to be better. If you're after that sweet, sweet milky juice, you're going to want to remove the flower heads from the stem and allow the latex to seep out, let it dry, and then scrape it out of whatever container you've collected it in and put that dried latex in a dark, airtight container. And once it's fully dry, it'll have like a dull brown color. But you can actually harvest latex like from May to August. But it, it's really, really important to make sure that if you're harvesting the latex, you put it in an appropriate container because the active principles in the the active like the active constituents in the latex they're sensitive to oxidation and they're light sensitive so it needs to be in like a dark container but that's that's really it i mean if you're harvesting it to use in like teas or to eat earlier in the season but the latex you can kind of do throughout the year um i'm not going to talk about how to grow it for the same reason that i don't talk about how to fucking grow dandelions you've got this it's fine so the use of this lettuce, though, I mentioned it's been around a minute. It dates back to at least 4500 BCE. Archaeologists have actually found tomb paintings in Egypt that show some sort of lettuce plant. And a lot of people will tell you, and like, it's generally agreed upon that Egyptians were probably the first people to cultivate lettuce. And in Egypt, cultivated lettuce was dedicated to men, or fertility god which we'll talk about in a little bit. But for me, I was like fertility god, nearly 100 species because it like hybridizes like it's its job. Like this is a plant that fucks. So that that makes sense to me. But interestingly, like on the very opposite end of the spectrum, in ancient Greece, it was used as an anaphrodisiac, which could like lead to impotence. And at some uh, at that point in time, some people called it a quote unquote eunuch plant because it puts to sleep and renders stupid and impotent, which is a very eloquent description for what we might now call whiskey dick. It's a thing. But according to legend, the Roman emperor Augustus attributed his recovery from illness to wild lettuce and even erected an altar and a statue in honor of wild lettuce. But the problem is there's like no record of what that illness was. So, um, it might not be very impressive. It, I mean, it's a cool story, but it's like, if Augustus had like a little tickle in his throat, I mean, a lozenge would have done the trick. <laughs> right, right, so, right. But it's been used throughout history for, you know, 
ages and ages and ages. But using wild lettuce, like, as an herb in herbal medicines, like, didn't really super take off until 1792, when Dr. Cokes, straight from Philly, collected the milky latex from the wild lettuce and dried it to use it as an opium substitute. Now, we don't have, like, proof for why Dr. Cokes was, like, starting his experiments, but... People have postulated that physicians were probably looking for opium alternatives because there was this looming monopoly on the opium trade from by the British East India Company in 1793, which was then followed by a ban on opium completely in 1799 by China's Emperor Kia King, who made the trade and poppy cultivation illegal. So, like, there was some global commerce stuff maybe leading into why people were looking for alternatives to to opium also they had this crazy thing called the opium war who's she uh yeah i know i know i know but yeah i could see why you would you might have been at the time looking for good alternatives to the only good pain medication you had yeah because uh drinking too much will kill you so, I mean, opium will too, but you know, what are you going to do? Let's talk about medicinal uses, though. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. Nick's not a doctor. This podcast is not intended to treat or diagnose anything. Please always talk to your doctor before you start any sort of herbal regimen. Don't use a podcast to diagnose your illnesses. You're not a fucking moron. Okay, so we know that in the 18th and 19th century, physicians would use the latex for its like alleged opium-like properties. And it was, because of that, a super common ingredient in cough syrups. And it's still used today. Like, in modern herbalism, it's used often for things like bronchitis, other sort of, like, irritated coughs, but also for things like urinary tract disorders and even, like, liver disease. It can have some, like, cleansing stuff. But it's still used as, like, a nervine and a sedative as well. And I think that makes it really good for things like super bad coughs, if you've got bronchitis. I like this idea that it can kind of, like, help soothe the cough, but also give a bit of that sedative effect. Because when you're sick, what do you need to do? Sleep. I mean, those are the exact two things that NyQuil claims to do. Yeah. Well, wild lettuce. Give her a try. But I did find there's been a weird resurgence in using wild lettuce recreationally for a legal high, like eating a bunch of it to get fucked up. Um, like that time we tried to figure out how much nutmeg you had to consume to get high. Too much. Um, and it feels weird to me to just eat a shit ton of wild lettuce to get fucked up. But like, I guess have fun. Be careful. I should note that there have been some instances of non-lethal poisoning. but like. In every one of these that I've read, there's no information about how much they consumed. So it's like, was this a dumbass kid that ate like a pound of fucking wild lettuce? Yeah, that's going to make you hallucinate. Also, uh, you know, what, what, the, what, what was the name again? Uh, spiny prickly, prickly lettuce. Yeah. Don't yeah, eat a pound of it. Don't eat a pound of it. Just don't. So be careful, y'all. But if you do want to use it for things like coughs, you can make a tea of the aerial parts. Tinctures of wild lettuce are really popular. And you can actually just like straight up take the, the dried latex if that's your jam. And it is considered relatively safe. But pregos, beware. There's like not a lot of research on using it while you're breastfeeding. I'm sorry. Y'all have a lot of shit to think about. And I am not a specialist in dealing with you apologies so let's talk about magic it is associated with saturn mars or the moon depending on your source so she gets around the, the solar system it's associated with the water element and like generally like with fertility magic but also dreams and divination so you know obvi if you work with min the egyptian fertility god this is a great one again fertility it has nearly a hundred species it's reproducing like mad that fertility connection makes sense to me and then on the other end i think that dreamy sort of like divination side could really stem from that like opium connection right it's got that like sedative nervine quality 
So you can add it to teas for ritual, put it in a sleep sachet. Hey, uh, if you're attracting things into your life, put some dried stuff under your mat. Or you could add the tea, like making, I love the idea of making teas and adding like the strained teas to your bath. I think it's such a nice way to take herbal baths if you don't want to clean up a mess or you don't want to like put a tea bag in the tub. You know, sometimes you want something a little more concentrated, boil up like a big pot of tea on the stove, strain it off and put it in the tub. It's great. You get the herbs in there and you don't have to fish like flowers out. I mean, look, we all love those beautiful Instagram shots of people with all their like floating flowers in the tub. But you know what I see when I look at that? The cleanup. The, because, the, you know, empty, the empty tub. Yeah, the empty tub just lined with plants. Because look, we all love a beautiful bath, but you don't want to clean after your beautiful relaxing bath. And I'm not going to leave that out overnight. I have cats. They'll eat it. So <laughs> I have read in a few places, though. Some people have said that it's an herb that can help create like a lucid dream state. And I guess if people are using it to get like high and cause hallucinations, like maybe there's something to that. So, you know, maybe a little cuppa before bed and you could do a little bit of like wild lettuce and maybe some chamomile. Just remember something I wanted to, to put out there, right? If you're going to do dream magic, remember your intention keep it in mind and like think about it as you're falling asleep but also besties put a journal on your bedside table because you don't want to get up and get moving in the morning before you write things down like wake up and write it down you'll forget things so fast and i think the opium vibes could also make this like a good candidate for work with chthonic deities i'm just gonna like say it's that time of year you know, I think anything that has that opium connection, I feel like Hecate would be into it. Maybe that's just me. That's just this witch's two cents. Um, but yeah, so that's it. My sources today, the herbarium, starchild.co.uk, lilithsemporium.com.au, rightofritual.com, and Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs. Love it. Love her. Woo. Love a six-foot six milky eight inch veiny plant it's a very um a, maybe priapus maybe this is a good plant for priapus <laughs> right um the, oh god i saw someone posted something about priapus on instagram it made me laugh they referred to him as like a minor deity of a major of the major schlong or something like that <laughs> and it just made me laugh um okay so because it is quote unquote election day literally today yeah i voted nick voted we're good we're good citizens Uh, look i I, i've got my sticker because i'm a child and i do need the validation of a sticker um so today's my sticker is somewhere i don't know where it is so today um for for qwp is cursing greg abbott okay Yes. Oh, that was so short. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, Look, okay. But fuck Greg Abbott. But truly fuck Greg Abbott. And I personally am like more witches should be cursing some of these Republican politicians because it's really not about like zoning laws or like abstract things anymore. Like people are dying. Women are dying. Um, yeah. Fuck these guys. They're they're the bad guys they're the villains like they really are and so i was thinking because it is the the super blood moon eclipse tonight um doing a little spell jar against greg abbott because it is election day i love it you should put your i voted sticker in there oh i absolutely should um but here's what i was thinking here's what i here was what i was thinking was like the basic kind of framework for the spell I want to do. So um, sort of like a riff on like a freezer burn spell. So like, I want to write the names of like a certain group of people, um, but like their individual names, right? Um, and kind of with the with the spirit of the season, sort of the hope would be that um, maybe they're symbolically reborn as something less evil because um, death and rebirth is like a huge part of the Scorpio vibe um 
so yeah, I wanted to do this spell jar, but I was thinking of making it like a riff on freezer burn too, where it's like, put some salt in there, put some vinegar in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was even thinking like some, I have these habaneros in my freezer that my dad grew in his yard. Oh, fuck yes. And my dad, who of course is a libertarian, God bless him, but like who always taught me to think for myself in matters like this and never just like told me in any direct way, like what I, you know, like what I should think politically. And I I appreciate that because I know a lot of people were not that way. Like a lot of people were definitely like directly indoctrinated by their loved ones. And I actually do think that's super gross too. Yeah, it's fucking weird. It is. It is. But you know, I mean, we're from Texas, so you know exactly what I mean. I do. I do. But I love this idea of doing like a freezer burn spell jar with some habanero. I love incorporating your voting sticker into it. Names of people that you're trying to have reborn. I mean, if you're doing a rebirth thing, like maybe it's like, do you have some eggshells lying around? Like, is there an egg ingredient you can add? I don't know. I'm throwing in. No, I do. I do like the eggshells. But I was thinking with all the stuff I want to do, it does come across as very voodoo. And it's like, my family is from Louisiana. So I like to use spice. I like to use spice in in my stuff sometimes. Drop a fucking needle in there. It's also literally, it's also literally like a super blood moon eclipse in Scorpio. I want, I want to use those malefic rays against someone. Yeah. I feel like this is, I mean, I, and I'm just feeling it because it's her season, I think, but this does feel like, this feels like Hecate, but also like, almost like Cersei. Like you can maybe ask Cersei to help with this. Yes. I know. So this is, this is definitely because it's like, I'm off tomorrow. Hopefully there will be another break in the clouds here. You know, maybe I'm, Maybe I'm just, uh, you know, wishing for too much, but. I don't think so. And then obviously, you know, uh, put it in the freezer. My roommate's away for a week, so I can actually, like, do some more uh, kind of in-your-face in your workings where it's like, I don't, I'm not going to have some, like, random, no, not random, but some, like, straight bro walk in and, like, make a crack a joke about it. Yeah, you get a little bit of that, like, privacy for your Yeah, budget. so I am really appreciating that, personally. Love it. Well, I'm excited to hear about how your uh, fuck, grab a- fuck, fuck Greg Abbott spell goes. Um, but Nick, before we get to the bitter end, how can people support the podcast? Oh, gosh, that's such a great question. And I think the main thing everyone is going to want to remember is Wands and Fronds Pod, because that's where you're going to be able to find us on Instagram, Wands and Fronds Pod. Um, conveniently enough, that's our Gmail account, wandsandfrondspod at gmail.com, if you really, really want to kick it old school and just shoot us an email. I'd, we'd love to hear from you. Um, but also patreon.com slash wands and fronds pod this podcast isn't free to make it also takes a considerable amount of time to slog through the research uh and it's fun and it's a labor of love but you know but it's labor but it's labor um and you know speaking of being being political honey labor's not over those dollars so also what else can i say like, subscribe, review, like, subscribe, review, download. It would be, honestly, I know so many of y'all have done just that, but like, if you pop a download on there, if you've done everything else, pop a download on there. You know, that could really be the cherry on top. And that makes us look good to Spotify because like, really, if we want to suck anyone's dick, it's like Spotify right now. So sweet Scandinavian dick. So cool. Well, on this rainy Los Angeles day, I got Pisces and I love the Pisces 
card in this deck because it's just like a cute little kitty with the fishies above she it. She looks so relaxed too. That kitty is a mood. Um, I also love that it's like because I I was feeling very Piscean today. Um, the Patreon people got to hear about my very Pisces episode today. Um, but I like that the the positives are artistic, kind, intuitive, and the challenging aspects are secretive, indecisive, and moody. I am feeling that last one today. So for you and for me, my little fishies, I've drawn the reversed page of swords, and I have been getting a fuck ton of swords lately. And I do like that in this deck, the swords are like lavender, like those little sticks of lavender um so the page of swords reverse though it's like this message look i'm not always here to give you rainbows and butterflies um but it's an important message this is kind of like a put your money where your mouth is thing right this is a busy season my fellow fishies don't commit to things that you're not gonna follow through on sorry look i if you say you're gonna do something or you're gonna be somewhere you need to do it or you're gonna destroy your own credibility and like i know this is a very busy time of year i personally very like i relate i'm speaking from personal experience when i get that like sometimes you're feeling social or you're feeling really energetic and you make all these plans but you need to like take a step back and think about whether or not you can actually follow through on that. It's like, this is not the time to be like making all these big grand plans and promises and then not following through. So you need, you need some time to decompress. You need alone time. You need to go be in the bath. Make sure you're booking that in. Don't overbook yourselves. And mostly like, don't make yourself a liar because you're better than that. Well, love that. And I think also maybe I needed to hear that because I'm really piling it on the moment. <laughs> uh, it but, happens to the best of us, but it's important not to do it if you can avoid it. But, you know, they do say that I'm a sidereal Pisces, so. Ayo. I always, I, 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 that's always what I think when it's Pisces is I'm like, I'm either going to claim to be a sidereal Pisces if it's something I feel like I needed to hear or I'm going to be like, that doesn't apply to me at all because sidereal is garbage. So <laughs> Take what you want and leave the rest. <laughs> um, well, uh, I think that's all she wrote. That is all she wrote. I think this one's going to be a little shorter this week, but we've been blasting over an hour <laughs> like a couple times recently. So, it you know, it all comes out in the wash, I think. Yeah. I hope. Yeah, I think so. I, th I I think so. Well, what do we say to all of these six foot six moon dude bitches out there? Oh my God. First of all, call me. Second of all, <laughs> all these six, six moon dude fucking lupine bitches. Blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. Goodbye. Bye now. I just got stressed and overwhelmed. And so I cried because I do that. Hi, I'm a Pisces moon. <laughs> <laughs>